Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Everybody doing good? You look good. 930 service looking good. You look awake. Look like you're ready for the word. Come on. Anybody ready for the word today? (laughs) And what an honor it is to be able to on a day like today and what tomorrow represents. And I know a lot of times we think about Memorial Day and we think about the lake and we think about a day off work. Come on, somebody. Where are my people at? You're like, woo, got a day off work, three-day weekend. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Uh, but I don't want us to forget what this weekend is really about and what it's really for. And that is remembering especially those those that have served, but especially those that uh, their life was lost uh, while they were serving so that we could stand here and that you can sit here and that we can have the freedom that we have today. Come on, anybody believe that we live in the greatest country in the world? Yeah, you can clap for that. Unless you don't believe it. But uh, I believe that we live in the greatest country in the world. And so it's an honor uh, to be able to celebrate those who have served in uh, any branch or any form of military action. And I want to just remind you of a few things. And these are all next Sunday. We got a lot going on next Sunday. Um, and they told me right before right before I came on stage, they said, hey, your clock is out. And so we may be here until noon at the 930 service. So I, I don't know. So if you see me looking at my watch, it's because I'm trying to be a little bit respectful of your time. <laughs> but um, we have a lot going on next weekend, and I want to make mention of them just really quick to remind you, kind of put it in your ear again. Um, iGroups, next week is when we begin iGroups, so after next Sunday, um, our six-week semester of iGroups for the summer will begin, and we've had some uh, groups registered online. If you want to lead a group, host a group, you have something in mind that you want to do, be sure and go online this week, get it registered next weekend, next Sunday after the 11:15 service, if you are leading an iGroup, we're going to have our iGroup leader meeting, and it will only be five, maybe ten minutes, it's not a whole lot of information, but just kind of... Uh, Uh, the way that groups work. Maybe for those of you that uh, you haven't led a group in a while, or maybe it's your first time to lead a group, uh, just so we can give you some information uh, about what that looks like. But be sure and go to uh, the website, yourimpactchurch.com slash igroups and register your group. And don't forget next Sunday that we'll be meeting with you, those of you that are leading a group. Also next Sunday is what we call promotion weekend, and it's where all of our kids are promoted to their next class. And so uh, if 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 there's uh, if you have a, a son or a daughter that's in the eighth grade, they will be promoted out of iClub and strictly into student ministry. Um, if they're going into fifth grade this next year, they'll go into iClub out of iGen and so forth. You kind of see how that works. So they'll be going from one class to the next if that if if their age allows them to do that or their grade allows them to do that. And next weekend is when we're going to do that. And so we have a lot of kids that are excited about moving to their next next phase and next class and so we're excited about that so that's happening next weekend and then come on anybody anybody excited about a pool party uh and some of you are like you know pool party i don't want to swim you don't have to swim you know just come sit and look at the pool you know i i I don't care what you do you know if you want to swim that's awesome you know our family will be there there'll be a lot of people there great opportunity for you to get to know some people connect with people and kind of kick off the summer uh, relationally getting to know people. We'll have other games and there'll be food and I'm sure some dessert and all kinds of stuff that you'll want to be there for that few hours uh, next Sunday afternoon into the evening. It's going to be a great time. So that's all happening next weekend. And 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 I'm excited because next weekend we're also going to begin uh, Summer at Impact and we're going to have a series this summer 
that you're not going to want to miss. And I know that people are in and out and vacations and things like that. But I encourage you to be here as often as you can this summer because we're going to be talking about some things specifically uh, that, that go along with our church. And we're going to be talking about vision and we're going to be doing uh, a lot of stuff through June and July and into August. And so be here for that. And today we're concluding our series that we called Five Years From Now. And this is part four of this series. And what we've done, last week we took a break. Doug Reed, one of our overseers, was in. And come on, wasn't that a great message if you were here last weekend on forgiveness, the freedom of forgiveness? Uh, If you weren't here, I encourage you to go back and watch last weekend. It'll be a blessing to you. But in this series, we're going to finish it up today. And what what we've done is we've taken two questions as you think about the next five years of your life. And I want to remind you of these questions. We're going to put them on the screen uh, to ask yourself about the next five years is, will my life reflect more of Jesus? And what in my life right now doesn't reflect Jesus? Will my life reflect, as I look at the next five years or even into the future farther than that, probably two of the most important questions you can ask yourself today as you're planning for that and you're thinking that way is, will my life reflect more of Jesus? And what in my life right now is not reflecting Jesus and it's not going to get me to where I want to be or where I desire to be in the future. And so that's where we've been with this series is kind of thinking about these two questions as we talk through uh, these ideas. And just to recap in uh, under a minute, the, the first message was called Keep the Change. Maybe some of you remember that one. And we said, you know, if we were going to sum it all up in one line, what we say a lot of times is God save me, but keep the change. God save me. I want your salvation, but I don't want the process. I want your sal- I want I want to go to heaven, but I don't want you to change anything about me. I want to do life my way, and that's how we are a lot of times. And then in week two, uh, the message was called a better view, and we said this that don't our responsibility. We're not supposed to act like a Christian. We're supposed to become more like Jesus. The reason that so many of us are struggling, and the reason that so many of us have a wrong view of who God is and who Jesus is, and and what what the the church is, and all of this these things, what a Christian is is because we have for so long tried to act like a Christian. You know, somebody, your your mom and dad, when you're growing up, say, you need to act right. You need to act right. You need to act right. Well, how many of you know that acting a lot of times doesn't get the heart? Uh, You've got to become more like Jesus so that people around you can have a better view of who God truly is. And then in week three, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we called the message, It's Not What It Looks Like. And we talked about, uh, what Paul says when, when he says, I, I forget what's behind me, I forget the past, I look ahead to the future, and I press on. I press on. On Monday, I press on. On Wednesday, I press on. No matter what life throws my way, I keep pressing on. And then today, as we end this series, I want to talk to you on this, this subject, this title, um, It Takes Two. It Takes Two takes two. Some of you are wanting to sing the song like me right now, aren't you? It takes two. No, we're not going to go there. But I want to talk to you about the subject, It Takes Two. And as I get started, I want to ask you a few questions that we're going to have a little bit of fun with, hopefully, uh, to get us started. And I know that summer's right around the corner. And I wonder, has anybody, you know, you kind of go, you ever notice how we do this as human beings? Summer's coming, and we're thinking like, oh, we're going to be at the pool, and you know, I'm going to you know, put on that bathing suit and, oh, you know, and and so it's about March comes around and the sun comes out and it starts getting a little bit warmer and and people start going to the gym. And if you've been in the gym before, then you start looking around, you're like, where do all these people come from, right? It's like, well, they're trying to get that summer body. And somebody told me a long time ago, they said that summer bodies are built in the winter. 
You know, and so if you've waited till like April to, to, to try to get, you're going to have your work cut out for you to try to get it done before you, you know, you, you, you go on vacation or whatever your goal is. But uh, maybe if that's you, maybe you figured out, even if you've been, you know, working out for a, a good while or whatever, maybe you figured out what somebody told me uh, uh, quite a while ago was that working out is about 20% of what you actually want. And the other 80% is what you eat. So some of us like me, we're we're working out every single day, you know, like five days a week, and then you go home and it's like, oh, that Coca-Cola's in the fridge. You know, and then I start to think about I'm like, oh, that's like 140 calories, and I gotta be on the treadmill for like 20 minutes to burn off 140. Like, is it worth having to be on the treadmill for 20 minutes to try to burn off the calories I'm gonna get from this Coke, right? But we 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 do that a lot of times. We're trying to like cram everything in and all that, and, and we're not really getting the desired result that we want because we're only doing a portion of what we should be doing to get the best result. Or or maybe uh, maybe you enjoy this. I don't know if you do. This is I don't necessarily enjoy this. Anybody ever painted your house before? <laughs> Anybody ever enjoyed painting your house before? Two people. That is incredible. If anybody needs their house painted, they're right over here. You can hit them up right after the 930 service. <laughs> uh, I, I was thinking about painting your house. And how many of you know that if you get the right paint, you get the right color. You know, if you did like we did when we painted our house, you had like seven different colors on the wall, you know, these little samples. And, and you get the right color. But how many of you know that it doesn't really get you the desired result if you don't have the right roller or the right brush or the right the right thing, the right tool to get it done, right? And how many of you also know that even if you have the right paint and you have the right brush or you've got the roller and you are all set, you've got the plastic out, you got it taped off, how many of you know that it also involves one other ingredient that most of us don't have when it comes to painting, and it's this ingredient right here. It's called patience. Everybody say it with me. Patience. Come on, one more time so you get it patience right and because most of us don't have we're like whoo you know and, and we're pumped up to paint our house at first right oh it's gonna look awesome i love this color i've been wanting to paint this color you know we just redid our cabinets in the kitchen and that was like a eight or nine day process <laughs> and because everything is like you have to do it just so so and everything has to dry just right and all of this stuff and and how many of you know it's like you start to get impatient and some of you, you're like painting the living room, and you're like, oh, you know, you got your podcast on, you're listening to the music, and you're just, you know, you're just getting it, and you go to bed that night, you wake up, and you're like, oh, it looks good, and day two, you start painting something else, and by about day four, you're like, <laughs> what you said on day one is like, oh, I'm going to go back and touch that up, and oh, I got a little bit on the ceiling and all that, you know, then, then you get done, and it's like three years later, and you're like, you know, we really should still touch that up on the ceiling that was up there. <laughs> That's a true story uh, for our house. Because we don't have patience. We, we're, we have some of the ingredients, but we don't have everything that we need because a lot of us aren't patient when it comes to that. Or here's another one before we get into uh, a couple of scriptures from the Bible and talk about it for a moment. Does anybody here uh, enjoy lawn care? Anybody enjoy lawn care? Hey, 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 hey. I actually kind of enjoy lawn care. I don't enjoy it if I'm having to be out there for like hours and hours and hours and hours and and it's, you know, August the 1st and it's 107 degrees outside and, you know, you walk outside and you start the mower and you're like, sweating already. 
But some of us, some of us enjoy lawn care. And I was thinking about weed eaters and like the weed eater we have, and maybe you have an electric weed eater, and so this doesn't apply to you. But uh, the weed eater we have, right? If you put gas in it, how many of you know that's only half of what you need? You just put some straight gasoline in your weed eater and start that thing up and give it about five minutes and you're going to be in a cloud of smoke and it's going to mess it up and you're going to be at Home Depot again buying another weed eater because you only had half. you got to mix it with the right, the, the right ratio of oil to per gallon of gas and all of this stuff and you don't get the desired result if you don't have everything in it that you need. You don't get what, you, you don't get what you're wanting what you're desiring, or even I was thinking about our spiritual lives. A lot of times we're not getting what God really desires for us. We think that, that it's what we really desire, but God has something that he desires for your life, and we don't get it a lot of times because we only do halfway. We only do uh, just a portion of it. We don't have all of the ingredients. We might think we do, but we don't have everything that we need. And a lot of us, we've learned things like what we've been talking about the hard way, in our lives, but I want to talk to you with this idea that what if the same principle applies to our spiritual life? What if the same principle and what we've been talking about with painting and lawn care and all of these things, what if the same principle applies to our spiritual life? And I want us to look at just at a couple of verses that I believe give us some insight uh, into this sanctification process that we've been diving into in this series. And this is in Philippians chapter 2, and I want to read verses 12 and 13. Paul says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Now, I want to give you, there are two things that I believe we can learn and we can apply from these couple of verses that we read. And I want to spend the rest of our time together talking about these two things. And uh, I've got a couple of illustrations that hopefully are going to help it stick in your mind that when you leave today, you won't forget uh, what God spoke to you. But I want to talk about these two things for the next few moments. Here's the first one. This idea of, of sanctification, this idea of the process that we've been talking about over the last three weeks. The first thing that you've got to do is you've got to manage the tension. Manage the tension. And I want to, I want to explain to you what, what the tension is. And for that, I'm going to need a couple of volunteers. Do you mind helping me? Come on up here. I know that that I know you, and so you won't mind me helping you. Anybody else want to help? I just need one other person. Mike, you want to help? You good with that? All right. Y'all hop up here. Get up here on stage. Look at all these awesome people. All right. Now, this might be a little bit difficult. Let's start over here. This might be a little bit difficult to do because the stage isn't huge, but I want you to take this end, and you come here. Dustin, come here. And take this in. Yeah, you got the hook in. All right, now come back here. Mike, come back here. All right, now I want you to pull it tight. Pull it tight. No, you can't be that close. Don't be cheating. Don't be cheating. All right. Now what I want you to do is I want you to I want you to keep it pulled tight, but I don't want you to I don't want you to lean one way or the other. I don't want there to be any slack in it. I don't want there to I don't want you to move your hands. I don't want you to do anything like that. But I want you to walk in a straight line, and I want you to come toward me and keep that exactly how it is with one hand. Dustin, you got two hands on there. Mike, you got two hands on there. You can't do that. It's it's more complicated than that. So with one hand, I want you to just kind of walk with me, and I want you to keep it exactly where it is. Are you with me? 
exactly. Don't draw. It can't drop. I don't want any any slack in it. You know, you can't pull it any tighter. You just you just got to walk toward me and keep it exactly where it is. Can you can you do that? All right. Let's let's see if you can do that. You got to start walking, guys. You got to. It, it only works. This illustration only only works if you know. You got to come up. You got to come up. You drop. Okay, keep walking. You got to keep up. Man, y'all are slow. Why are y'all walking so slow? Oh, you got to, okay, back down a little bit to, okay. Now, I want y'all to come here. I want you to stand right here. Keep hold of it. Come here. Tell these, tell these people out here how great they look. They look awesome. Now, here's, here's the tension that we have to manage as we're walking through life. Are you with me? So on this side, we have, let me see how I put this in my notes. Maybe it'll, it'll help us remember we have overemphasized behavior. <laughs> so Mike is <laughs> So Mike Mike is overemphasizing behavior. You just got to do it right, man. You just you're overemphasizing behavior. Now over here we <laughs> on this side we have Dustin. Dustin is ignoring the process. He's just he's just completely oblivious to what God is doing in his life. He just has no idea what's going on. He 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 really doesn't care anything about behavior. Uh, he's just kind of going through life doing whatever he wants to do. So we have overemphasized behavior, and we have ignoring the process. Now let me tell you what happens in each of these things because this is a tension we have to manage and as we walk through life a lot of us are dealing with this we're trying to we're trying to we're, we're a lot of us lean one way or the other and we think we should be doing it right and oh, it really doesn't feel right and oh you know my life should probably look like this and it's because there's a tension between overemphasized behavior and ignoring the process and here's what happens if you overemphasize behavior so here's what here's what Mike does Mike becomes legalistic about everything and so, uh, you know, and, and, and here's something else that, that, that Mike does because he overemphasizes behavior. He begins to judge other people around him because they're not behaving the way that he thinks they should be behaving because he knows the right way to behave, don't you, Mike? Sure do. Yep. He knows the right way to behave. And so because he overemphasizes the way, like, oh, you can't be doing that. No, uh, that's wrong. No, uh-uh, 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 you know. And he's, he's so hard on himself with the way he behaves and the way he acts. And, oh, you know, if he says the wrong thing, he's just, he's, he's down and he's feeling guilty for three days and can't get over it. You know, everybody at work's asking him, what's going on, Mike? And he's like, you know, I just, I, you know, I just overemphasize behavior. And so I just judge everybody on the way that they behave. And I've become legalistic about things and everything is based on how you act. So everything on this side is based on how you act and what you actually do. Mike believes that, that sanctification is something that we can achieve or that he can achieve by willpower and by acting right. If I just try hard enough, I can do it. If I just try hard enough to act right and behave right and stop doing that and start doing if I just try hard enough to behave the way that I think I should be behaving, then everything will be all right. Everything will work out. Life will be great. You know, God will be happy with me. Then here's Dustin. Dustin ignores the process. So Dustin believes that we really have no personal responsibility. Dustin thinks, well, I really don't have any personal responsibility, you know, just, just well, you know, God's grace, you're going to cover it all, and it doesn't really matter what I do, and, you know, I don't have to, you know, just kind of goes back to that message, number one, in part one, where, you know, you just keep the change, like, ah, oh, I got saved, and I gave my life to Jesus, I'm on my way to heaven, you know, pff, that's good enough for me, I don't really care what you think about me, I don't really care, I'm just ignoring 
the process. Ignoring the process. No personal responsibility. Dustin really never grows. He never really does anything that, help, that helps him grow spiritually. He doesn't really read a whole lot. He's, you know, he's in the Bible like once every two weeks and you know, reads a few verses. And it makes him feel better about himself because he's really ignoring his personal responsibility. He's, he's kind of passive about how he lives his life. So on one side, Mike is so dogmatic about how he's supposed to act and how Christians are supposed to act and how, you know, your life should look like this and if it doesn't look like this, then I'm judging you on the inside and I may not tell you to your face, but I'm judging you on the inside and I'm talking about you behind your back because it doesn't line up with the way that I think that it should be and I'm overemphasizing behavior. But on the other side, uh, I'm ignoring the process and it's really not my responsibility. I don't really have anything that I really want to do. I don't care if God changes me. I just want to live life my way and just know that I'm going to heaven and I'm safe from hell and all that stuff. So there's a tension and if you try to walk through life this way, this line goes up, and this line goes down. And this line, you know, Mike kind of pulls Dustin this way a little bit, and Dustin finally, you know, he's like, well, I'm fed up with that, you know. And so he kind of pulls Mike over this way a little bit, and Mike's like, oh, you ain't acting right. And so he pulls Dustin back over here, and he's like, you need to be getting in the Bible more, and you need to be reading, you know, at least 30 minutes a day because that's what you're supposed to do as a Christian. You need to be in the Bible at least 30 minutes a day, and then you need to pray for an hour, and then you need to turn on a worship song. And it can't be any worship song. It's got to be, you know, a worship song from 1999 when, when worship was, you know, the real deal, and, you know, Hillsong was, you know, real... <laughs> and Dustin's like, I ain't doing all that. You know, if that's what God looks like, if that's what being a Christian looks like, then I ain't doing all that. You better come on over here and just let's relax. Come on, let's just sit back. Let's let's just, you know, and there's a tension. And and what I what I believe and what I would submit to you today is that that the the place that God wants us is somewhere in the middle. Not not so legalistic about everything that we're judging it. Not only are we judging ourselves, we're judging everybody around us on the way that they're acting. And even people that don't even follow Jesus and aren't believing in Jesus, we're judging them. And we're like, and I would ask the question: Why are we surprised that somebody that's not a Christian is acting like they're not a Christian? Because they're not. But but we're judging everybody because we're overemphasizing behavior and, and you know, whoo, you better repent, you better get your life right because you know Jesus is coming and you're going to go to hell and you don't want to go to hell because it's hot. But on on the other side, we can't ignore the way that we live. We can't just go through life and be like, you know, well, God's grace will cover it. I can just do whatever I want. I gave my life to him, and, you know, his grace is is big enough and all this, and just kind of just coast through life and no responsibility, no spiritual growth, no anything. I think that God wants us somewhere. God has a place for us somewhere in the middle. Thank you, guys. You guys can go sit down. Come on, let's give him a hand. A lot of times we're on one side or the other. And, and we give our life to Jesus and, and either we either we kind of take a step back and we don't do anything with our life. We don't allow God to take us through this process. We ignore the responsibility that God's put on us that there are some things that he's going to have you do. There are some, some things that, that he has called you to do. But on the other side, you know, some of us, when we, when we give our life to Jesus, all of a sudden we're like... You know, I've got to walk a certain way, talk a certain way, and everybody that doesn't do it is doing it wrong because this is the way that it should be done. And I think that it's a tension that we have to learn to manage because a lot of us have a tendency to lean one way or the other. The truth is that sanctification is somewhere in the middle. And 
this is why we have to manage this. There are two things working together as we go through this process of sanctification. And I want to read it again and point it out to you. These are the same two verses we just read a minute ago. This is what Paul says. He says, Dear friends, you, al- you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. And check this out. This is what he says. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you. And what is God doing? He is giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So the tension that that has to be managed is really between these two things that are working together in your life. It's not trying to pull this person over here or pull this person over here. God is trying to work these two things together in your life. And it's this. Everybody say obey. Obey. Uh, Somebody told me one time that delayed obedience is disobedience. We tell that to our kids. You know, if, if you feel like if you if God is speaking to you to do something and you don't do it, then delayed obedience is disobedience. Uh, another another pastor that I heard speak one time, he said that uh, how did he say it? He said that that understanding can wait, obedience cannot. And a lot of times we're waiting to try to understand. Well, I'll obey if I know how they're going to react. Well, I'll obey if I know you know kind of where they stand with God. Well, I'll obey if I know that they're not going to be weirded out by that. Well, I'll obey if, you know, God, just give me a sign. Just give me a sign, and then I'll obey. God, if you just, you know, if if that chocolate candy falls off the shelf, then I will know that it is you telling me to do this, and I will obey. <laughs> and here's here's the other one. So the, the tension that the things that are working together in your life that we try to separate a lot of times is obey. And here's the second one, let God. Obey and let God. Paul says it this way. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. And here's what God's doing. He is working in you, and he's giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God is working in you, but you have a responsibility to obey. God is taking you through a process, but there are some things he's going to want you to do along the way. Are you with me? The, the things are working together. God is working in us. He's changing our hearts and he's changing our minds and transforming us. But we also need to do what it says in Romans 12.1, just paraphrasing that, that we need to present ourselves as living sacrifices to God as an act of worship. That's not what, what Dustin was doing. Dustin wasn't, you know, he was all about, you know, salvation and all about, you know, God doing something, uh, you know, to, to, to save him and so he can go to heaven one day. But he was standing over here on this side and he wasn't doing what, what Romans 12, what that He wasn't offering his life to God. He was saved, but God didn't have his life. Are you with me? God didn't have permission from Dustin to do what God wanted to do in his life. He didn't offer his life as a sacrifice to God. And the closer we get to God, the more he changes us. The more he changes us, the more we desire to live our lives for him. And the more we desire to live our lives for him, the more like Jesus we become. Sanctification is both God working in our souls and us yielding our lives to him. It's not but or, it's and both. It all works together. And here's number two. So we've got to manage the tension. Here's number two. You've got to stir it up. Stir it up. Now I want to demonstrate this. Anybody like chocolate milk? 
<laughs> Some of y'all are like all on board for this, and the other ones are like, I'm going to throw up in my mouth. So here's what. So this milk represents you. This milk represents me. And here's what we do a lot of times. Is when we get saved, we give our life to Jesus. He saves us. He deposits something on the inside of you. And it's his spirit. God has given you everything you need to be everything he's called you to be. In this case, God has called you, if you'll just hang with me for a minute, God has called you to be chocolate milk. <laughs> yes! God has called you to be chocolate milk. And so whenever you were, you know, you were just plain milk, you were just plain. Come on, look at the person next to you and say, you just plain. And when, when you get saved... God deposits in you everything that you need to become what he desired for you to become. So God has always desired for you to be chocolate milk. From day one, God said, they're going to be the most awesome glass of chocolate milk that you have ever tasted in your life. But many of us, we never allow God to stir it up. And as long as we never allow God to stir it up, we always remain plain milk with everything that God desires for your life sitting at the bottom. Many of us are walking around and we're frustrated and we don't really know, you know, what, like, oh, you know, I just, I don't know what, what God's doing with my life and all this. Can I just submit to you that you just haven't allowed him to stir up in you what he deposited in you when you gave your life to him? And here's what many of us, many of us are doing. We're here today. And we've made the decision to give our life to Jesus. And this is the person that has allowed God to stir it up. It looks like chocolate milk. It's what God intended for it to be. But many of us are walking around in our lives and we're going to work and we're, we're having conversations with our spouse and, and it goes something like this. We're walking around like this with everything sitting at the bottom that God desires for your life. And we're walking around and we're telling people like, I'm chocolate milk. I'm chocolate milk. Don't you see it? Don't you see how awesome I am? Because I'm chocolate milk. And people are looking at your life and they're like, that looks white. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't see where you're going with this, you know. Like, you can say all day long you're chocolate milk, but I don't see it. Because we've never allowed God to stir up what he deposited in us when we gave our life to him, when we got saved. And so we're walking around telling everybody we're chocolate milk. I'm chocolate milk. But we'll never be able to do what chocolate milk can do. I'm preaching better. 
than you're responding right now. (laughs) We'll never be able to do what chocolate milk can do. And you can say all day long that you're chocolate milk because God has deposited the chocolate in you, but it's sitting at the bottom of your life because you won't allow him to stir up in you what he desires to stir up in you so that you can be what he intended for you to be from the very beginning. And so you're walking around telling people, I'm a Christian, I'm living for Jesus, I'm a follower on my way to heaven. But people look at your life and they're thinking, I don't see it. I don't see it. And and we're like, yeah, it's right here. Don't you see it? It's underneath all the stuff that you really see on the surface. It's underneath all the, it's, it's, it's in there somewhere. And God keeps trying to do things in my life to, to stir it up so I can be everything that he wants me to be. But I'm just not, I'm just not there yet. So I'm just going to let that sit at the bottom. But don't you see it? Don't you see it? I'm chocolate milk. And people are like, I don't, I don't understand what you're trying to tell me. Because your life doesn't look like what you say. And if that's what, and here's and here's what we talked about this in week two, and what a lot of people do, they don't reject Jesus. They reject Jesus. The version of you that's walking around saying you're chocolate milk, but you don't look anything like chocolate milk. You're, you're saying that you're a Christian and that you're a Jesus follower and, 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 and that you've got all of this, you know, God's deposited this stuff on the inside of you and God has a purpose for your life. But nobody in your life sees it because you won't allow God to take you through this process of stirring it up in you. Stirring it up in you. Why do many of us do this? Here's, there are probably many reasons. Here's probably the most common reason and probably the underlying reason for, for many of us as to why we never allow God to stir it up in our lives. We like our comfort. I like the ability to tell you that I'm chocolate milk without actually having to look like chocolate milk. <sighs> that was a great place for an amen. I like the comfort. Of being able to tell you that I'm chocolate milk without actually having to go through what it takes to become chocolate milk. And so we like our comfort. We like our comfort. But God never intended for you to stay in the place that you were. And so we're not able to help the people that only chocolate milk can help. And God wants to use us, but we can't help that person because only chocolate milk can help them. We, we, we're not able to fulfill the purpose that only chocolate milk can fulfill. Because we won't allow it to be started. We're not able to accomplish the things that only chocolate milk can accomplish. And here's what, what you need to realize today as I wrap this up, and I'm going to go ahead and bring the worship team back up. Is that God has already deposited what he needs on the inside of you if you'll just allow him to stir you up. You can't get chocolate milk with just chocolate syrup. And you can't get chocolate milk with just regular milk. And you can't even get chocolate milk by pouring chocolate syrup into regular milk. It takes both ingredients working together and God 
stirring up in you what he put in you and it becomes a little bit more what it's supposed to be and your life looks a little bit more like what it's supposed to be until it gets to the point to where God says okay the process is complete and we've already established this in week one that the process is complete when Jesus comes back or when you die so God is trying to stir some things up in you and some of us we're leaning one way or the other with this tension thing and we've got everything deposited in us that God needs in us to do what God wants us to do for your life to look like what it what it's supposed to look like what God desires for your life to look like from the very beginning of time but you have to allow him to stir it up come on everybody say stir it up stir it up why don't you stand to your feet today I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And the reason I want you to do this is I want to go ahead and bring our prayer team down. But I want to ask you some questions and I want you to just in your mind, I want you to picture if you are in one of these places. If you're in one of these places and maybe God's trying to speak something to you. God's trying to do something in your life today. Have you, have you been spending time trying to change your behavior but never allowing God to do his part in your life? Are you working so hard to try to change the things that you do, but you're never, you've never yielded your life? You've never said, God, whatever you want to do with my life, I give you permission to do it. Have you, have you been too passive with the way you've been living your life? And just kind of saying, well, you know, I'm just saved. God's grace will cover it. It doesn't really matter what I do. I'm not worried about that. I don't really care if I change anybody's life. I just want to be in heaven one day. Is that, is that the place that you're at where you're just being too passive with the way you've been living? And is it possible that God has put something in you, but you're not becoming who God wants you to be because you like your comfort and don't like being stirred? You like the comfort, but don't want to be stirred. And I'm going to pray for us, and our prayer team is down here at the front. And we're going to sing one final worship song. When the worship team begins to sing, if you need prayer for anything in your life, maybe you find yourself in one of these areas and you say, you know what, today I'm not going to be passive with my life anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to start becoming more like Jesus. I'm going to give God permission to do in me what he wants to do in me. I know that when I gave my life to him, he deposited in me everything that I would need to become, everything that he desires for me to become and what his purpose and, and, and fulfillment in my life looks like. But today I'm making the decision I'm going to allow God to stir it up in me to stir it up in me so I can actually become the person that I was meant to be from the beginning of time before I was even created God knew you God has a plan for you sometimes you have to allow him to stir you up so God today as we sing this last song I pray that your words God that you spoke through me would hit us in the heart today. Not just in the ears, not just in the mind, but God, that it would hit us in the heart today. And we would we would make the decision, hey, this is the place that I'm at. Wherever we find ourselves today, this is the place that I'm at. And today, I'm going to allow you, I'm going to yield my life to you. I'm going to surrender my life to you. And Holy Spirit, I pray, as we sing this last song, that you would draw every person today who needs prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen.